0: Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory, founder of teamsrock.com. Join us as Greg interviews thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from professional sports to manufacturing to business and industry. Now, let's join Greg for another powerful episode of the Teamwork Advantage. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, the podcast that is dedicated to your growth, development, and advancement in three key areas, teamwork, leadership, and culture. And the key thing to remember folks, hey, guess what? Teamwork is everywhere, not just at work, not just on the court, on the field, on the diamond, it's everywhere. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. I'll get into his bio in just a minute, but you know, Darren, you know, you're an entrepreneur at heart. So Darren DeGel is an entrepreneur, so I wanna find out what it is about entrepreneurship that's got him on this path and understanding the power of TLC, teamwork, leadership,
1: culture. Absolutely. Uh, Greg, I'm fired up to be here. I, I can't wait to share. Hopefully, uh, I, I can add some value for the listeners out there. I will certainly bring some energy and do, it my, do my best effort.
0: By the way, if you guys haven't noticed, he's got an energy to match his mind. So we're going to have a, this is going to be strap on your seatbelts, baby, because it's going to be a fun <laughs> time for the next few minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Darren, you've got a great background in information services. So let's just kind of get into this background that you've got. You're the founder of the Janelle Group uh, and the CEO. And when we started looking at it, it's a consulting company that's headquartered in connected in New York. Not exactly, you know, Miami Beach, Silicon Valley, either one of those places. Uh, if you guys are watching on video, you look behind him, you'll see some snow on the roof back there. So definitely that time of year. Uh, he leads with energy and he's and I love this phrase here in his bio folks it says he is manically focused on creating an amazing work environment for his team. And that's where we want to try and take this today is have a little fun with that. He earned his undergraduate degree in business administration, at the University of Albany and a master's in information systems from NYU's Stern School of Business. Prior to starting his business in 2012, he worked as a senior software engineer on Wall Street. He's led numbers, uh, numerous engineering teams multi-million dollar projects and he's a member of the mensa group so uh we've got some brains going on on top of all that folks (laughs) i want to talk to you a little bit about how you got there you didn't wake up one day go to graduate school i mean you got your degree in you know in business and things of that nature um somehow you got to technology and all of that tell us your real quickly your story on how you got to where you are you didn't wake up saying we're going to start this software company so how did it happen
1: yeah, sure. I'll give you my background here in 120 seconds. Uh, yeah, we grew up here in upstate New York. We're about two hours north of New York City. Uh, my brother and I were big basketball guys. So sports was a huge part of our life, basketball in particular. Uh, we were we were ridiculously focused on that, Greg, just, uh, just obsessed with the game and we each played basketball in college um and towards the end of college it was like okay my whole life is basketball and now that's coming to an end right the playing professionally was not in the cards for me and so we had to kind of shift our focus right and and so I got a job down in New York City as a software engineer um and funny enough I had never even taken a computer science course I didn't even know what an if statement was uh but I got a job uh down on Wall Street as in a training program And I just took to it right away, right? I'm a nerd at heart. And so I I really just loved uh, writing software. Got my brother a job there the following year. We were down there from 1998 through 05, uh, that's also when we did our grad schooling at NYU, uh, started a bunch of different um, startups. We always knew we wanted to be entrepreneurs. And so we started a bunch of side hustle companies, you know, while we were working our full-time job. Some of the worst businesses you could, you could ever imagine, Greg. I mean, we so got if some, I understand you
0: correctly, you failed. Is that right?
1: Yeah, Many, many times. We've got some epic failures. We I started need people a to realize
0: successful people fail way more than they succeed.
1: Amen. we started a business called your next So you know we had some we had some bad ones under our belt. Uh, and then in 05 I had created an educational software program that was that was pretty cool, started to get some traction. We both quit our jobs. And we started our entrepreneurial career running this educational software program. My wife and I moved back upstate. We uh, ate through all of our savings. We had a child. We went $70,000 in credit card debt, almost lost everything, right? Um, There's some more failure for you. But we, you know, we hustled our way out of it through through some hard work and determination. We ran that business from 05 to 2012, but never really could get any traction, Greg. We'd hire a couple people, we'd have to lay them off, hire somebody, lay them off, just, just really grinding for about seven, eight years with, with not much success. And then in 2012 is when we started Janelle Group. And that's when we started building custom software for other companies. And that's when things really started to make sense. And, you know, we grew the team from three people. We're up to 150 people right now. And, and we've really figured some things out. So that's kind of my life arc, my career arc in, in a nutshell. So
0: you, you talked about it. It was you and your brother who started it. And you, your first employee, you told me offline, her name was Jessie, right?
1: Yeah, Jessie was an absolute rock star. She came to us when she was 19 years old. Uh, Greg, and she's done every job here. She's done cold calling. She's done sales, design. I mean, she's just been through it all. And now she's one of our most seasoned uh, people here. She's an absolute rock star. And she's still putting up with the Janelle brothers to this day, which is amazing.
0: (laughs) So here's my question. If I were to get Jesse on the line right now and ask her, why does she stay with you? What would she say?
1: That's a that's a good question. Thought provoking. Uh, Oh yeah. I I think she would say, these two guys, Darren and Jason, believed in me, and they continued to empower me and give me opportunities to grow. Right. We we we're big believers in if you got somebody who's got talent and they've got the thing you're looking for if you kind of push them into the deep end and and give them opportunity to to do something special, but you're there to support them, right? I'm not just shoving you in the deep end and leaving. I'm also there with a life preserver if you need it. But what we we find is when you push young people into those types of opportunities, many times, if you got the right person with the right core values, they rise to the occasion and they continue to grow. And I think Jesse's a perfect illustration of that because she just kept hitting the mark every time. And she's, now she's one of the most uh, uh, impressive young people that I know.
0: And you see, that's powerful. I really wanted to go there because, you know, she was there at the very beginning when it's not a pretty scene and you're up to 150 folks and you're building and growing stronger every day. That is the crux of what we look at on the Teamwork Advantage. Teamwork, leadership, and culture. And then, of course, you hit core values with her and the core values that the organization has which is another absolutely huge, huge topic for us. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of get into a little bit here. One of the questions we looked at, and we talked, I uh, saw your stuff online and things of that nature, and there's a feeling of connectedness. That's a word I saw you used. And so you've, I think you've got a phrase, what are the four ways to create a sense of connectedness? How do you create that sense that even today, when there's three people, it made sense. At 150 people, it's different. Hmm. And I'm assuming not everybody's in one building either.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that is very challenging, right? As you grow to to feel connected. And obviously not all 150 people are going to feel connected with each other. But what we're looking to do, Greg, is we're looking to create opportunities. We're looking to create the environment where these connections can happen. And when you think about your life, when you think about the types of relationships that went the fastest, right? Maybe you you you, uh, you did something extraordinary with somebody. Maybe you took a trip to China with someone you didn't know them before the trip. After two weeks of traveling through China, you feel like you're, you're you've been friends for years. Or maybe you uh, you pledged a fraternity together, or went in the military together, or you were on a sports team together that won a championship, or suffered through double session practices in the summer. Whatever it is, when you go through extraordinary experiences together, doing something outside of your normal, ordinary day-to-day life, when you go through those experiences with people, a lot of times that creates the the type of environment where these relationships can go uh, really deep, really quickly. And so that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to create those type of opportunities where true friendships can, can form. And if you think about it, if you can go to work and you're working with two or three or five or six Real friends, like people that you actually really connect with, I mean, that that changes everything, right? And so that's what we're really trying to focus on is creating that environment. So it's interesting you say that
0: because that is such a powerful way to understand the connectedness. That's not something that is common in information technology, especially in software development where everybody typically works by themselves. So yeah, talk absolutely. to us about how you create that connectedness
1: within those groups. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, and and stereotypically, but it is a true stereotype. Uh, engineers are, a lot of them are introverts, right? Yeah. Obviously not all of them, but a lot of them are. And so then how do you create that environment, right? Where those guys are stepping out of their comfort zone and really connecting. And, and again, it, it comes back to to creating these opportunities where these connections can happen. For example, Greg, we just got back from AWS. That's Amazon Web Services for the nerds out there. That uh, They threw a big conference out in Vegas. And we just came back. I think we had 16 or 17 of us out there. You know, we spent $100,000 bringing everybody out there, staying in hotels, um, you know, going out at night and, and really connecting and hanging out. So when you go, go through something like that, and you and you're you're spending that time. That's outside of your normal life, right? You're those friendships are forming and they're bonding. So now, when you come back to the office, even if people are remote, right? Well, now we have that that in common. And then the next time we get together, we're going to be starting on level seven instead of level four, right? Because we went through this thing together. Right. And sometimes it's project work. Sometimes it's. Um, you know, sometimes you're suffering together. Sometimes you're having fun together. And and so, yeah, we're, we're going out of our way to do that, especially with our, our engineers and especially with the introverts. Right. A lot of times that can be very isolating. But if you have two or three key friends at work, well, that could change everything. And and that really leads to a, a, a better life and a better experience. So let me ask the question here. This is this is powerful in my
0: mind, because a lot of times I go to do a training program in an organization uh, or they'll do a zip line or something of that nature and they get this experience. How do you translate the experience that you were just in Vegas or when you're doing something experiential like that, how do you transfer that knowledge to bring it back to the team in your workplace?
1: Yeah. So, so again, it's really about the relationship. We want to make sure that the, the relationships are forming. If, if these two guys go on this trip and they really form a real friendship that's really the end goal. It's it's done there. That means when they come back to, to work together, well, they're, the, the friendship is going to be obvious because you're going to see them go out to lunch together. They're going to hang out at the party together. They might do stuff outside of work together. And that, if you looked here at Janelle Group, across our 150 people, you would see so many different pockets and groups of friends that are real friends, true friends, hanging out on the weekend, hanging out on vacation, taking trips together outside of work, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not even really necessarily about making sure that it translates and comes back to the team. It's just making sure that friendship is there. And even if they end up leaving, Greg, right? Some, some people, you know, you might be here for only a season and then you move on. I want to make sure that those friendships are strong enough where they, the, the, the bond continues, right? Now we've got somebody out at another company. Maybe we get work through that. Maybe two people leave and they're, now they're both not here. Either way, if the network and the friendships are real, then that continues to build our network and our business influence, if, if, if that makes sense. Does that, that resonate? Does.
0: So let's ask this. In my line of work where I've worked with people, there are some people who come into the table with, I come here to work, I don't come here to be friends. What do you do with people like that?
1: Yeah, that's that's a good one, right? And this is something I think that we do really Differently than other companies that have a strong intense culture. Most companies that have a a really strong culture, it's kind of all or nothing. Either you drink the Kool-Aid and you're all in, or you're like an outcast weirdo. At Janelle Group, it's a self-serve buffet. All of this is set up for the employees' benefit, right? If you want to take part in some of this stuff, please do. It's going to be awesome. There's cool people. You'll engage. You'll have fun. And if you don't want to do it, that's okay too right? It's a self-serve buffet. Some guys, you know, take the 45 year old guy who's in Denver, Colorado. He's got a wife and three kids. He's like, I don't need all that BS. I don't want to drink beers with you and act like an idiot. I don't want to play fantasy football or chess with anyone. I want to work and do my job nine to five. And at the end of my day, I want to go back to my family. That's okay too. There's zero pressure on anyone to take part in any of this. And you can take part in some of it all of it or none of it. And I'd say of our 150 people, Greg, we probably have 30, 40 people who are just like, look, I do my thing and I go off and and I'm not really participating in the culture. And that's okay for me. I don't ever want to force it. Right.
0: But my question then goes, okay, if you're not, if they're not doing that part of it, and I liked your term drinking the Kool-Aid, if they're not doing that part of it, how else can you get that sense of connectedness so that it's seamless in what work they're doing. Um, getting to be friends is powerful. There are some people who are like, Mm-mm, I ain't gonna be friends. Or you may go to Vegas with people, all of a sudden you come back and they hate each other too. Yeah. Those are things that kind of come into play. How do you walk that balancing act?
1: Yeah, you know, in in, in terms of the connectedness, right, for the person who doesn't engage in a culture. So first and foremost, we have a no a-holes policy here. Every single person on our team is someone who is easy to be around, easy to work with, easy to get along with. We don't have difficult personalities, right? And so for the the person who doesn't engage in the culture, if they work on a project and they're working on a good team with good smart engineers who are all solving problems and and they're happy in their day-to-day work, Well, then that's good enough, right? Now they might not be as engaged and they might not be true friends with a lot of people at Janelle Group, but if they're happy with their work and their team and and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, they're the ones who chose, I don't want to go deeper than that. So if we're giving them a good experience at as far as they want to go, then that's all we can do to deliver. Now, the truth is we are not as connected to those people, the people that don't lean in on the culture. We are the the bond isn't as deep, right? And especially if they're fully remote employees, Uh, 50 of our uh, our people are fully remote, meaning they don't live, you know, within driving distance of our our headquarters, you know, and, and some of those folks just aren't as engaged. And, you know, maybe we'd lose them in a couple of years, maybe they'll be here for 10 years, but we don't have that deep connection um, and maybe the loyalty that maybe some of the other folks might have, but that's okay too, right? This is a, this is a two-way street. This is an alliance. If that's what they want out of it and they're delivering for us, maybe they only deliver for, for three years and they move on and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And, and, and that works for us as well. So And that fits in of-
0: today's age groups as well, because not so much my father, but people of my father's generation had one job for 45 years and that was it um you know or one company even within not even in one industry but even in one company for 40 some years and that just doesn't happen today and what's really cool is the janelle group seems to be accepting of that and not trying to force it in another direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Look at it from, let's be totally selfish about it. Let's say we have over the years, we have 50 people over a few year period come in, have a great experience here, they like it, and then they all move on to go. Maybe they go make more money somewhere or they they just move on. Well, now we've got 50 people out in the business world at different companies that know Janelle Group, that have love for us. We have a connection. Hopefully they have some real friendships here. Well, that's going to build our business, right? There's, from a selfish perspective, that's just going to be good for us long-term, right? I think every company looks at it. Yeah, when somebody leaves, they look at it as like, oh, we failed. They left us. This is awful. Yeah, I get bummed out. Sometimes I even shed a tear. But, you know, it can be a good thing in the long run. This is an alliance. It's got to work both ways.
0: Yeah, it's got to work that way. So how do you get your leader? So you and your uh, brother are there. You're at the top of it. How do you take it and convey that down? And then how do people generate that sense of connectedness throughout the organization with each individual leader? And how do you keep the consistency? That's kind of where I'm going from is consistency, because, you know, that's, that's why the fast food restaurants like McDonald's are so infinitely successful, where other places struggled, they weren't consistent.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think it boils down to we are obsessed with finding talent right? We're obsessed with it. So we're vetting, I'll I'll just give you an idea of our our recruiting pipeline. In 2022, we vetted 150,000 people. We interviewed 1,500 of them to hire about, I think we hired about 60 people this year. So think about that. Interviewed 1,500 to hire 60. So we're looking at a ridiculous funnel of talent. And so when we do that, We're getting really good at that. And when you, you know, if you talk to 10 people and you take the best of 10, maybe you'll get somebody good. But if you take the best out of 100 people or the best out of 200 people, you're going to get a star. So when you look at our next level of leadership, we have we have rock stars on this on this level right greg and it's so by investing in the right people they've already got it naturally they are a natural leader people like them they're drawn to them we just got to plug them in and empower them yeah there's some training and stuff but naturally they've got it right off the rip if that makes right. sense
0: i love the funnel idea because you're absolutely right there's an organization restaurant i know in boston that years ago when they go to open up think about this for servers they interviewed I think it was, they have 1500 applications. They interviewed about 150 people to hire 13.
1: Oh my goodness. Servers.
0: Wow. <laughs> and five years later, about 60% of those servers in a restaurant were still there.
1: Oh my goodness. Well, so, while every, well, every company is complaining. I can't hire anybody. They've got that type of pipeline. They're doing something right. I yeah, be don't
0: get me wrong. They're struggling in today's environment. Because it's a whole different environment. This was, you know, eight or ten years ago when they were doing things like that. Yeah, sure. So uh, having that pipeline, having that funnel to drive that is such a powerful thing. I actually made the note: 000 one hundred fifty thousand to fifteen hundred to sixty is just absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, thanks. We're super proud about that, and it's and it's really it's outbound, right? When I claim one hundred fifty thousand, that's not applications. That's us going out maybe quickly stalking out your LinkedIn profile. Maybe it's an application. Maybe it's someone that we heard about that is a great professional. It's us starting trying to start that conversation, right? We're not just sitting back and saying, nobody's applying. We are causing those conversations to happen.
0: Okay, so you're selling, not just your services, you're selling to bring people in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because okay. at the end of the day, when you boil our company down to its core thing, All we are is a collection of hopefully very talented people. And that's why companies come to us. They want us to build software, but they're only going to come to us if we have talent. And there's only one way to get talent. And it's you got to put the work in.
0: So let's take this down the path. You're a software development organization for other companies. Yes, that's correct. So So you release that software back to them. And then they have to have their operators deal with it. Is that Am I on the right way there?
1: Yeah, most of the time. Sometimes we'll support it for them as well. Um, But yeah, a lot of times in the larger organizations, they've already got a software development team. They've got a whole infrastructure and we're supplementing their team. So maybe we'll provide a team of 10, maybe six developers, a project manager, a QA person, a database person, and we'll add to their team and supplement their team. And we're working within the the context of their company and in their already existing project.
0: So how do you get... And
1: there's a lot of folks we have
0: on our podcast listening group and folks, by the way, we've been downloaded in 70 countries today, which is powerful. We've got industries all over the map, but we've got a lot of folks I know that are listening right now that are in the operations side of the business. And Darren's now talking to us about development side, but he's got operations too. There is a fine line between development and operations or DevOps as it's called.
1: Mm, absolutely
0: what do you do to get people to understand that whether it's internally within Janelle group or going back even externally where you're turning it over to somebody else
1: yeah Greg I I think many people on the user end have seen that frustration maybe they called a help desk or they you know the software itself is just so frustrating (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) oh my god yes
1: (laughs) to me those situations that are so frustrating I think a lot of times what you see is lack of communication there's a disconnect with the people on the front lines who are talking to the customers whether it's the help desk people or the sales people or the integration people and then the developers actually building the software when there's a disconnect there and they're not talking those people those groups aren't communicating well, that's when the developer goes off and does something that they think is right, but they don't really know because they haven't spoken to a customer, right? So to me, it's the the way to avoid that, it's all about communication. As much as the developers and the, the team doing the, the the creation can speak to the help desk, the customers, the users, that you know, the more you can facilitate that conversation, the, the better.
0: Okay. That's that's really key because now we're back to great teamwork and great leadership. And again, I go back to, we understand why that's important. How do you get your people? How do you get them if they're, if they're so busy. And again, let's go back to the introverts on a lot of engineers, whether it's on the development side or even on the ops side, they're still at the core engineers, technology-based. And so how do we get them to realize the importance of that communication what are some secrets that you do to bring that to the forefront
1: sure so so i i I think everyone on the development side of course i'm biased i'm gonna we're so amazing on the development side we never do anything wrong you know yeah right Mm -hmm. good got you on that (laughs) I, i i think the people on the development side they do want this information they want to hear from the customer they want to see them use it they want this information right and then I think that the, the, the people on the other side, on the sales side, the integration side, the help desk side, I think they want them, the dev team, to have this as well. But in a bigger organization, there is a disconnect. There are just sometimes at a, when you're at scale, there are so many people involved in this process. There's nobody stepping back and actually analyzing, is that integration happening? So almost putting someone in charge, that's their sole job, is making sure that these two sides talk, right? Somebody who actually has some sway in the organization. And sometimes as, as consultants, as hired contractors, we try to push for this, but if the client isn't buying in, we can't get there, right? You need someone with authority who says, I'm going to demand that these two sides talk, and they've got to set up focus groups, meetings, connections, um, you know, let the developers sit with the users and, and, and maybe watch recordings of what they're doing. Whatever it is, someone who has authority has to be making sure that this happens. And if that's not, if that person isn't driving it, what I find is more often than not, it does not happen.
0: And in again, we're back to the connectedness the communication and so we're not just talking within the individual team you're not talking across department lines you're even talking about going into and you just hit one key one for me a moment ago about sales teams so you've got certain people developing something sales teams sales teams are typically as we all know more on the extroverted side so they're extroverted they're introverted they don't really know what's happening what do you get how do you get your folks to understand The introvert dealing with the extrovert and the extrovert dealing with the introverts.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting. uh, That's a
0: very dichotomy situation.
1: So what we do is when we this this goes back to our culture as well. But in our team makeup, we're trying to always have a ratio of introverts and extroverts. Okay. for example, if I had a team of five engineers and a project manager and all six of them, including the project manager or leader, were all introverts. That to me is a recipe for disaster, right? As opposed to if I had six extroverts and everybody, nobody will shut up and everybody's like me and they're going on with all their opinions and everything. Well, we're not going to get anything done. So we're really examining those uh, ratios, right? And we're trying to get about one third of the people on any team, right? Whether it be an actual functional software team or a team that's going on a road trip for a culture perspective, right? You got to have a decent ratio of at least... One quarter, one third of those folks have to be uh, extroverts, people who are going to stir the pot, who are going to facilitate the conversations, whether it's driving a meeting or leading a social engagement. Does that make sense, Greg? It absolutely makes sense. And then it's about getting the other
0: side to understand the importance of that. Plus, it's about understanding the extroverts, not shutting the introverts out, because that also can happen. And you, you get those challenges. So that brings me back to a leadership question. You guys have experienced double digit growth for a decade now. In the beginning, double digit growth is pretty easy. Let's be clear. You know, the first yeah. few years you can double, double, double that. That's easy. Yeah. But now you're seven to 10 years down the road and you're still experiencing that. How does your leadership team keep that I'm back to my word consistency? How do you keep that consistency going in the leadership so that the culture and everything is still there? a decade into this with this much growth
1: yeah you know you know greg i i think i'm a big believer in like i don't know if you know the book atomic habits by james clear or got it other, up
0: here on one of my shelves
1: oh it's great <laughs> the four disciplines of execution is another favorite of mine it, and again this goes back to my sports days it's not the goal in our of our say our college football team is not to win a national championship maybe that is the actually the end goal But I can't say I can't get up today and try to win a national championship. All I can do are the habits and the behaviors and the actions every single day after day after day. That's what leads to success. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do, and we're maniacally focused on it, is we're trying to make sure that we get up every day. And each team, each group, each leader is doing the daily actions and disciplines that are going to lead to that end result. The end result is more growth, more revenue, more EBITDA, right? Continue the culture, right? We have all of these big long-term goals. But... What do I need to do in order to have a good culture? I got to make sure that each person is meeting with, you know, somebody on the leadership team. When I want to do sales, I got to make sure I'm doing outbound. I want to make sure I'm connecting with our customers. And I could name all of these different things. Everybody on this uh, listening to this podcast has got things that they know are the daily disciplines that if they do these, it will lead to positive results. And so it's just continually coming back to those day after day and keeping track of them on a scorecard, Greg.
0: I want to do a little quick sidebar on this because you talked about Atomic Habits, powerful book. And if you're like me, audio is the way to go. Listening to this book on audio has just, it's amazing to listen to the audio version of this because for me, that sinks in a lot easier. So uh, I just wanted to talk about that because it's again, the consistent disciplinary actions. I mean, that's, that's what they do in so many different groups. The military group does that exceptionally well.
1: So, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a listener as well. I listen to books a ton. And it's just it's just the way I ingest information. And that's another one of my daily disciplines. Am I putting the right stuff in my head? Am I listening to my books? Am I listening to the right types of talks and bringing in the type of information that's going to help me continue to evolve as a leader? You know, I still
0: go back to my mentor, uh, Zig Ziglar, and I had his son on the podcast not, not a few months back and uh but i still remember one of the things zig used to talk about was did you take a shower this morning if not i really don't want to know but if you did why did you you took one yeah. yesterday yeah the same thing in about putting the right things into your brain finding the right positivity it's not it's not going to change you it's not going to have you win a championship today it's laying the foundation. And we all know the old idea that you're about an iceberg, 80% of it's below the surface that you don't see. The same thing with understanding the power of the pyramids, all of that happens is built because of a great foundation and structure.
1: Yeah, so I, teamwork
0: I love- and leadership leads to a great culture. Am I hitting on the right path there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, love, I love what you're saying. I'm also a big fan of Zig Ziglar. Uh, he's old school, but I love him and Jim Rohn and some of those guys. Uh, There's a
0: name from the past is Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn,
1: yes. yes, R.I.P. Yeah, and you know, if you get up every day and you do the daily disciplines, let's say the goal is, say you got some big crazy goal out there, right? I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a millionaire. I want to, whatever it is, right? It, It doesn't matter. It's really not actually about the goal. It's about the daily disciplines and doing them over time. And even if you miss your goal, as a basketball player, my goal was to play in the NBA. I did not make that goal. Right. But I did all these daily disciplines to get me. I, I maximized my ability and I was able to play college basketball at a high level. And that was success to me because I did everything I could do. I felt proud of that. I did feel satisfied. But if you told the eight year old me, hey, you're not going to play in the NBA. I would have been like devastated and sad and go, oh, I guess I failed. But it's not a failure. I did the daily disciplines and I maximized what I could become. And that's a victory. And I think in America, we get too focused on if you achieve the goal or not, when that's not really what it is. It's about the journey there. And if you can enjoy that, you can be successful. And maximizing what you've got and the ability there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, Janelle group is not supposed to be a billion dollar company. I just don't think that's in the cards. It doesn't make sense for our, our model, our culture, whatever. We're not supposed to be that. If I set that goal and we don't make it, well, that doesn't make us a failure, right? Right. It wasn't in the cards for us. So I I think looking at your goals through different lenses is, is really important. Greg,
0: it's like, if you go back and look, I'm not sure. And again, I'm just speaking off the top of my head here that, uh, Steve Allen and, um, Michael uh, Bill Gates said they're going to create the big, largest company in the world doing you know software and stuff. They didn't go in there saying that. That was a byproduct of doing the disciplines.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And those guys were maniacally focused on the next thing in front of them, and every day moving forward. And then all of a sudden, they created one of the most amazing companies in the history of the world. Right? Yeah, right. I, I love the way you put that.
0: So let's let's ask. You've talked about all the great successes Janelle Group has had, double-digit growth. You've been in business now for years. you got Jesse, who's been with you from the very beginning. What are you struggling with? What are the challenges you and your brother still face today as it relates to teamwork, leadership, and culture? It's not about getting business. It's not that. What are you struggling with?
1: Yeah, a t- ton, of, ton of things, right? the The struggle is real, and it always is. I think one of the things we do is we do a really good job of promoting our culture and putting people in this amazing environment. But at the end of the day, we're doing work for clients and we really do have great clients. Most of our clients are awesome, but I can't control, we can't control what's happening in the client. So I just say, I recruited you and told you how great life is here at Janelle Group. And then you're on a client and maybe you're dealing with some challenges there that we don't have control over, right? So that's a little bit tough, right? I sold you on this dream of coming to work for Janelle Group and now you're dealing with some struggles at the client that I can't control. another another thing we're struggling with is this is, although it's finally started to cool off, has been one of the hottest uh, job markets in the history of of the world in terms of our industry, right? Uh, and so people are constantly getting uh, poached and you know, higher salaries are getting offered to them. And so kind of maintaining talent has has been a challenge despite our great culture, and we really have way below uh, industry average in terms of our turnover. Um, we do a good job of retaining employees, but we still lose them from time to time. That, That has been a struggle. And then probably the other thing that keeps me up at night, Greg, is as we grow, are we still keeping that tight connection with our employees? I know me personally, I don't have that tight connection with all 150 people. And that's a bummer for me. That stresses me out. I do think we've built the leadership team out to the point where they all have that connection with someone. But... The fact that I can't control that and I don't know it, that that is something that is very stressful to me and my brother. Okay.
0: That's powerful because, folks, as we start to see everything, and especially in this world of today of social media, where people are putting forward their best, and all we see is how perfect everybody else is. Those videos that you sometimes see on TikTok, that are amazing shots in basketball, if you will, or trampoline jumps or whatever it happens to be. How many times did they fail before they put it out there on video? That's powerful. It's important for us to realize that organizations, as successful as Giselle Group is, they still have three challenges that they're focusing in on. Hmm. As we start the new year right now, that's the question we start to look at. What are our challenges? What are we gonna do about them? How are we gonna incorporate them? How are we gonna improve on them? It's not about fixing them completely. It's about how we're gonna improve on them.
1: So yeah, Greg, Greg, that's that's great. If I can jump in there, sure. right? You always think, or like I was guilty of this and I still am. Oh, if I just, when I get to this level then it, things are gonna get easier. And oh, I can't wait till I get over the hump here and then it's gonna get easier all you find is, yeah, maybe some of those problems are going to go away, but new ones are going to pop up. There's always a struggle. That's the human condition. That's what we're doing here. God right. put us down here to hustle and grind and try to serve and it's going to be painful and it's going to be nasty. And once you accept that that will always be the way and you embrace that, I think it gets maybe a little bit easier. I don't know. Maybe that's the least. It, the it of my gets mind.
0: more manageable. I, I think this is the word I would use
1: yeah easier is not the right word. you're right. manageable is is a much better way to say it because it's not easy. It's hard. It's a grind. I just had bad news yesterday here at the company, and like you know I, I won't get into it, but you know some days are really hard and it's and it doesn't go away. As a matter of fact, it right. might magnify at larger levels and that that's the key
0: thing. We had a guest on a few weeks ago talking about the difference between complex and complicated. and that that's yeah. that's very different things that we start to look at. Yeah. you know some people are very complex thinkers but then the senior levels get they need to be more complicated thinkers and going outside that and those are the things that starts to drive us yeah. so as we get ready to close up today and this has been powerful guys this is i told you this was going to be fast paced the whole way through we've been on for almost 40 minutes already so this is great i want to wrap up with a simple question what are the one or two things you would give as an advice to a manager, we're going to get out of your entrepreneurial mindset for a second, but what are the one or two pieces of advice you would give to a manager team leader today with his or her team of 10 to 15 people about building a better connection?
1: Oh yeah, this is good. All right. I'm going to, I'll give you one concrete one that I hope somebody out there is like, you know what, I'm going to listen to this crazy guy. Okay. If you're managing 10 people, there's got to be one person on your team who's the best. You got to have someone on that team who's a star, who's your top player. You're like, if they left, I'd really be in trouble, okay? Identify that person. Find out what they are into. Maybe they they love uh, the band Metallica. Maybe they're a fisherman. Maybe they whatever they are. Whatever their thing that they love the most is. And buy them. Use your own money. Don't ask the company to, to pay for it buy them a thoughtful, extraordinary gift. If they love Metallica, get them tickets to the game. If they're a fisherman, get them a new, I don't know, new lure, new reel, do something, right? We've done so many thoughtful gifts here, Greg. We have Jesse actually, our, she's our Director of Employee Engagement. She finds out the most secretive things about people and she blesses people up with the most amazing, thoughtful gifts, and you say, look, we love you, we're thinking about you, here is this cool thing that maybe it costs you $100, but it's going to be more valuable to them than a $5,000 bonus, right? Find that star on your team and bless them up with something amazing and see how their, their face lights up and see how your relationship changes. That would be my challenge.
0: And that's, that's powerful because you hit something that I think is so key, and that is an intrinsic motivator as opposed to an extrinsic motivator yeah I that, love that. that absolutely does hit the nail on the head so folks you heard it the idea is simple find something that's powerful to at least one if not multiple people on your team find something that's there that's really them just don't go to Amazon and say oh that looks nice click
1: Yes, do something thoughtful, well, then, that, and it will transform your relationship if you haven't done those types of things before. At least right. that has been my experience.
0: And I even do something about what's called a um, My Favorites book, about creating a little book. I, right now, it's just basically going to be on the share drive at computers, but a PDF file that, you know, I can have Darren's favorite chocolate, favorite cake, favorite restaurants, all those things. And these are inexpensive items that everybody on the team can then go and say okay this is what he likes he he likes dark ghirardelli chocolate as opposed to milk chocolate from godiva okay something like that now i'm hitting something he or she wants and they show that i actually paid attention
1: yeah i love that
0: that's so that's a powerful tool wow hang on time to decompress folks you've got several ideas you know once a week with our podcast folks you know yes we've been downloaded in over 70 countries we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of downloads every single month going on these be sure to share this with your friends like us subscribe to us whether you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to our podcast hit the like button hit the subscribe button share us out there with everybody we want to get the message out one of my mentors that I'd never met Never even had the opportunity to know who he really was until he passed away was a gentleman named Cabot Robert. And he always said, don't ever worry about getting a bigger piece of the pie. He said, make the pie bigger. Share the information. The power of knowledge sharing is absolutely incredible. So share this podcast, share all of our podcasts with people, get ideas out there. Because once a week, listening to The Teamwork Advantage, you get ideas, just like Darren gave us today, that you can use immediately. And that's the power. That's the power of it. We're into our sixth season, folks. And our first two guests have just kicked it off like rock stars. Darren, thanks for joining us here on the podcast today. And folks, remember, having a good day is just being average. We know that when you listen to this podcast, The Teamwork Advantage, you're not average. Go make today excellent and exceptional. Till next time, take care. Bye-bye.
1: You've been listening to the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help
0: your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.